this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining me today for episode 76 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. I'd like to begin today's show by announcing the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. If you listen to episode 75, you will remember me mentioning the lovely Sustainable Wool from Patagonia, sent to me by the Nature Conservancy. If you recall, I had three sweater quantities worth of yarn to give away to three very fortunate knitters. I'm happy to announce that all of the knitters who entered this drawing, the three winners of this gorgeous wool, are... Joan Henry, and two knitters with the Ravelry names of Apple Strudel and, okay, I'm going to spell this one, U-M-M-R-A-N-I-A, whoever that's supposed to be pronounced, I, I don't really know, but those are the winners. Congratulations. I will be in touch with each of you shortly so I can get your mailing information and get these prizes mailed on out to you. To everyone else who entered, thank you so much for participating, and please stay tuned because I'll be announcing another giveaway for you to enter later on in this episode. Now to talk about what I've been up to in regards to my knitting. Well, in the past few weeks, I've been knitting a lot actually, and getting quite a bit done, which feels really good, I must say. And I'm very, very excited to tell you that I've actually just recently finished the last of the designs for my upcoming book, Botanical Knits 2. I just can't tell you how amazing it feels to finally have finished that up. Now the patterns still need to be test-knit and edited and so forth. The book definitely needs more time before it's ready to be published, but still this large portion of work is over and done with, and I'm just super happy about that. Pretty soon here, maybe I'll even be able to do my personal knitting projects again, which I am really looking forward to. I may even get going again on my beekeeper's quilt. You probably remember me talking about that one before. I still love it, and I still really, really badly want to finish it. And, you know, lay it out on my couch in a really conspicuous place so that everyone who comes over will see it, you know. And maybe when I do finish it, I'll invite people over so they will sit on my couch and maybe notice it. Because the Beekeeper's Quilt is such a big project, It's going to be a really big deal when I finally finish that thing. The hexapuffs are fun to make and everything, but I'm kind of over it now. I've knit over a hundred and I kind of just want the quilt now. I don't hate making them, but it's not like as exciting as it was in the beginning. You know how some projects you want to knit because you enjoy the process and other ones you want the finished product? And for this, I'm at the stage where I just really want that beautiful, puffy, colorful quilt on my couch. Like, immediately. I seriously cannot stop fantasizing about it. 
But for now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to do some work-related knitting for a bit longer, mostly just swatching, testing out my patterns for the book just to make sure that everything is as it should be. Currently, I'm testing a few of the hats that I just designed in the book because they're just really small and it's easy for me to do. And I actually also just recently finished seaming up and sewing on buttons for one of my new sweater patterns. Now, I've been working with some lovely yarn lately, but the yarn that I used in this particular sweater was especially great. I don't know if you guys have heard of this yarn, but it's called Moonshine by Juniper Moon Farm. I hadn't heard of it until recently. It's a blend of wool, alpaca, and silk. It's a worsted weight single ply, and it's pretty amazing. It's soft, and the colors are slightly heathered, and it has the slight sheen to it. It's luxury. I bought a skein of this yarn on a whim when I was doing some online yarn shopping because it just looked pretty. And when I got the skein in the mail, I knew instantly that I wanted something really big made out of it. It's just a gorgeous yarn. It knits up nice. It feels so nice on the skin. It's just, it's great. So that's why I decided to use this yarn for my sweater. And I think it turned out really nice. This one is a classic cardigan. This is going to be included in Botanical Knits 2, and it has a very dramatic vine motif climbing up one side. But that's all I'm going to say about it for now, because you're going to see it soon enough when the book comes out. I really like the finished product. I really like the way the sweater turned out, but it took quite a while on the needles to get it to look the way that I originally envisioned. You see, I ran into a bit of a situation with this sweater. A situation with baubles. Originally, I had wanted to include a variation of this beautiful vine stitch pattern that I found in a stitch dictionary. And I wanted to put that vine on the front of the sweater. But this particular vine stitch motif included a lot of baubles. Lots of them. I like the texture that the baubles added to the stitch pattern, but I felt apprehensive about the whole idea because I've learned with time and experience that baubles are a relatively controversial stitch. I mean, knitters usually have very strong opinions about baubles. They either love them or they despise them. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground, it seems. I've designed a few patterns that had baubles in them, and I've seen several comments on the knitting forums from knitters that say, Hey, have you seen Alana's new pattern? I like it, but it has baubles. I don't know if it's the technique of creating the bobble that annoys people, if it's the way they look, or maybe it's just the name. Baubles. Ew. All I know is they really aren't that popular. So anyways, with this in mind, I decided to remove half of the baubles from the stitch pattern. Now it was made up of a pretty cable with leaves and a little bobble here and there, just for texture. They looked like little buds on the vine. So in working up the entire sweater front this way, I 
started to realize something. I started to realize that there might be another reason why baubles are an unpopular stitch among knitters. You see, baubles are not just a stitch you can throw anywhere and on anything. They need to be planned out and they need to be carefully placed. And I learned in knitting this sweater that there might just be a reason that I've never seen them added to the front of a sweater before. I realized as I draped the front of the sweater on my mannequin that the placement of the baubles on my sweater turned out to be rather inappropriate. From the wrong angle, my mannequin looked pretty anatomically correct. And I was pretty sure that that wouldn't be a look that many women would want to wear. So I learned that lesson and I ripped out my work. You gotta watch those baubles, they're tricky. The next time I knit up that sweater front, I made sure to keep those baubles towards the bottom of the sweater only. And that looks much, much better, much more appropriate. So for those of you listening, I'm curious, what are your feelings about baubles? Do you knit patterns with them or do you avoid them altogether? I'd like to know, so please, if you care to, leave me a comment and let me know what side of the controversy you fall on. In this episode, I have another beautiful yarn to share with all of you. I was recently sent this lovely skein of snow-capped yarns, DK weight, blue Face Lester wool, from a yarn shop called The Netloft. This colorway in front of me is called Dried Sedge, and it is so something that I would pick out for myself. It's this beautiful tonal green-gold colorway with hints of amber running through it. I would describe it as a perfect fall colorway. It's so pretty. The Blue Face Lester wool is light, airy, and very squishy. And what I really liked about this skein is that it's 279 yards and weighs 125 grams. That's very generous, don't you think? It's kind of rare to find a skein weighing over 100 grams, so I thought that was nice. This is definitely more than enough for a nice accessory for the season. It would make a beautiful hat, a beautiful cowl, and being a decay weight, it's a very average gauge, and, and it offers a lot of options. What I especially, especially like about this yarn, though, is the little story behind it. I really like the fact that this yarn is hand-dyed by Shelley Cosin in a very small fishing village on Alaska's coastline named Cordova. This is a very remote little place with no roads connecting it to any other town. But it's an amazingly beautiful place. I've looked at pictures of it online. And it has mountains, glaciers, forests, and gorgeous scenery. Not to mention a thriving knitting community. This snow-capped yarn is exclusively produced and sold 
at the yarn shop in this beautiful area of Cordova. Even many of the yarn labels feature art by local artists. I guess I really like the fact that by purchasing snow-capped yarns, we can support the small little community. So if you're interested in this line, I invite you to please check it out on the NetLoft website. I'll be providing a link in this episode show notes for you. And check out that colorway on the website. You'll fall in love. It's really beautiful. Additionally, the owner of the shop, Dottie, was generous enough to donate this lovely skein in the dried sedge colorway to this episode's drawing giveaway. So all of you will have the chance to enter to win this yarn and try it out for yourself. All you'll need to do is leave a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 76. And again, my blog is found at nevernotknitting.com. You will have until December 15th to enter to win, and I'll be announcing the winner on the following episode. And please, keep in mind the rules. Only one comment per person, and you have to leave your contact information so I can get a hold of you if you're the winner. Unfortunately, there have been times where I've had to disqualify winners because there was no contact information left and I couldn't get in touch. There was a time where I didn't require contact information and I could never get a hold of anyone. I would announce the winner and they would never, ever claim their prize. And it was a big hassle. So leave your contact information, your Ravelry ID, your email address if you feel comfortable with it, some sort of way for me to get in touch. Anyways, I also wanted to mention that all of this talk about Cordova, Alaska has reminded me to tell you that I will actually be visiting this region next summer, and I really hope that you'll join me. I have signed up to teach at the NetLoft Fiber and Friends week-long retreat in Cordova, Alaska from June 22nd to the 29th of 2014, and I really hope that you come too. I'll be providing a link in the show notes for you to find out more about this wonderful event and sign up to attend if you would like. As I said, I will be teaching at the event. I'll be teaching an all-day sweater finishing techniques class, a half-day how to fix your mistakes class, as well as a half-day class on designing stitch motifs using traveling cables, my personal favorite. I'll be joined by other designers and teachers as well, such as Donna Drukanis, Bon Marie Burns, Gudrun Johnston, Mary Jane Mucklestone, and many more. The retreat offers a wonderful schedule of fiber arts workshops along with other activities, such as group hikes, presentations, and art tours. The purpose of the event is to share the love of fiber arts with friends, old and new, in a stunning location. It's sure to be amazing, and I am super excited about it. I mean, how could I not be? I've never been to Alaska before, and the pictures online look so amazing. So if this sounds fun to you too, please visit the show notes and click on the link to the NetLoft to learn more. I hope to see you there next summer. 
This episode's knitting story was contributed by author Reba Linker, and she will actually be sharing an excerpt from her new book, Follow the Yarn. Here is her story. At our first meeting, our group was itching to get our hands on some wool, yet there was not a scrap of yarn in sight. Instead, Anne held us back and talked about washing knitwear. Anne was fanatic about washing knit products before gifting or wearing them. She had no problem giving a pre-washed gift. It was a teachable moment. At the very least, she would not hesitate to admonish the recipient to wash the gift before using and, knowing her passion for sharing information, give exact directions on how best to get the job done. I was intrigued. You've got to love someone, I thought, who starts a knitting class with a lecture on washing knitted fabric. I relished Anne Soup to Nuts' attention to her subject. I've had my own battles with allergies, and I appreciated her awareness of the issue of chemical sensitivities. Further, I delighted in her colorfully emphatic style. Etch this on your eyeballs, she would exclaim, and follow with advice that was always backed up with a good explanation. But most of all, I was moved. Anne's lecture made a statement that went far beyond her words. She regarded the knitted gifts she made for her extended family as heirlooms to be passed down through generations. As such, their care was as essential as their creation. Through her attitude toward her work and by extension toward our work as well, Anne elevated the simple notion of knitting. The work of our hands, of my hands, was a legacy to be cherished. All this was accomplished through a lecture on washing knitwear. I sat up and took note. This class was going to be something special. Anne's tone may have been down to earth, salty even, but her message was purely uplifting. Anne would hardly ever show us how to do a stitch. Rather, she would insist that we repeat her instructions out loud, step by step, and try to do it as we spoke it. She wanted us to find our way by hearing, thinking, and doing, rather than by seeing. She wanted us to discover a technique for ourselves, rather than copy it. This technique was oddly frustrating. It was also fascinating how at times it seemed to take a lot of courage just to try something new, even something as incidental as a new stitch. Through the loop? Like this? Dare I? Really? In the end, I think Anne's method gave us confidence in a way that spoon-feeding us answers might not have done. Learning a new stitch, our class would buzz with curiosity, excitement, nervousness, and accomplishment. When I finally got to see Anne knitting, weeks after she taught us the knit and purl stitches, a glimpse of her in action answered a multitude of questions. I was amazed at the elasticity of her movement. She really stretched the loops as she knitted. Seeing Anne knit confirmed for me the notion that nothing should fully replace hands-on passing of technique. Aside from the practical advantages of being able to ask questions, see a thing from various angles, go at your own pace, etc., etc., the unique, unrecorded, unduplicated experience of one-on-one, -on -one live human interaction could well be a new definition of luxury in today's world. Anne's presence, that gift to us of her time and energy, was the subtext of every lesson. 
Unlike many knitting groups, which tend to function in the egalitarian style of a quilting bee, Anne kept a firm grip on the reins of her class, scowling at interruptions and demanding our full attention. Many days she would hardly let us knit. She would just pour out her knowledge as we scribbled notes and scrambled to keep up. The information was not always sequential nor even topical. Some days we hardly even talked about knitting. Among my notes, I stumble upon Anne's recipe for flourless peanut butter cookies, as well as the homeopathic remedies she swore by. If you answered anything other than fine to Anne's how you doing, she might well go into a long digression on what ailed you or your friend, or your relative, and regale you with similar episodes from her extensive repertoire of anecdotes. If Anne found it to be good, she shared it. It all tumbled out in an avalanche of information she had accrued over a lifetime, not just of knitting, but of living. At times, it felt like we were standing still, yet despite the digressions, I find when I review my notes that there was an incredible amount of information. It just came out Anne's way. The remedies, the recipes, the anecdotes, the knitting information, all were part of her accumulated knowledge, and we were the chosen recipients. Some individuals may have been frustrated with Anne's style, and they gradually moved away from the class, but a small core group recognized her genius, and we chose her in return. Whether or not managed to accomplish the day's lesson plan, if there even was one, I loved being there. Anne seemed to take the measure of each person with a piercingly accurate mental yardstick. Some folks she teased, you, go sit in the corner, was a repeated refrain to one of her most devoted students. Others were handled more gently, and still others were practically chased away. She saved her particular wrath for an instructor who marched through our classroom on her way to her supply closet. Apparently, the instructor did not exhibit enough awareness of Anne's claim on the space, and Anne, ever the lioness, growled at her every time she passed through. She rarely teased me or even interacted much with me in class, yet in a way that has been rare in my experience, I felt recognized, truly seen in her presence. What does that mean, seen? My friend Anoush asks, Okay, the class was sometimes disorganized. She wasn't always pleasant, so what were we doing there? I was there. I've come to understand now. Because I felt recognized, quietly understood. And when I say that, I specifically mean recognized for good, recognized as good, validated. Though I didn't realize it at the time, that is what drew me to write about Anne, and that is the key to what became such a source of healing for me. Anne saw the good in me, and that enabled me to see the good in myself, and ultimately, even to see the good in all that had happened to me, even the hardships, perhaps even especially the hardships. Anne and I never spoke about personal matters. We didn't call each other up to chat, though she gave out her phone number and invited us all to use it. Yet as I sat in class, I felt Anne's recognition as a thread connecting us, a steady hum that sang beneath the clatter of teasing and technique. I felt surrounded by an aura of acceptance, confidence, and trust. I get a lump in my throat when I think about it, and I have to chuckle. Here I am, welling up at some bossy lady, telling me to itch some knitting technique on my eyelids.
Thank you again, Reba, for sharing part of your wonderful new book with all of us. If you listening would like to find out more about Reba and her new book, I invite you to check out her website at rebalinker.com. There you'll find more information and even an opportunity for you to enter a contest to win yarn and other prizes. I will be providing all of her information in this episode's show notes. Additionally, Reba has kindly donated a copy of Follow the Yarn to this episode's drawing giveaway. So that means that everyone who enters has a chance to win a copy of her book along with that skein of snow-capped yarns provided by the Netloft. A very nice, well-rounded prize, in my opinion. Also, I wanted to mention that if you like today's story, and it made you think of your own personal knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, I invite you to please get in contact. I'd love to hear it, and I'm always looking for new stories to share with everyone. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. That about wraps up this episode for today. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I hope that you'll join me again at the end of December for episode 77. Until next time! She won't even do the dishes The houseplants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. 
she says, just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.